Hey everybody, welcome back to We Are Movies. As always, I'm Johnny Mockney, and to all of my fans out there who have been clamoring for another episode, who have been uh, messaging me nonstop about when the next one was going to drop, uh, here it is. I apologize. I took a hiatus because I recently graduated from college, but here I am. I'm back. The real world has started and there's nowhere to go, so I am continuing this podcast as I always have, and and probably will do until my bitter end. My guest today is a friend of mine named Devin Terry. The two of us met in the film classes here at MSU. Um, mostly got to know each other through my roommate, Devin Martin, who I feel obliged to mention. Um, the yearbook already snubbed him when writing an article about our double feature movie nights we hosted out of our apartment. So, Devin, uh, this is your shout out that you are always deserving of. Um, so, anyway, speaking of college, uh, Devin Terry came on the podcast to talk about the 1995 film Higher Learning, written and directed by the late great John Singleton, starring a huge cast including Omar Epps, Ice Cube, Kirsty Swanson, Michael Rapaport, Adam Goldberg, uh, Jennifer Connelly, Lawrence Fishburne, and many others. As per usual, we do spoil a lot of the movie in this episode, so if you haven't yet, I highly recommend going to see it and coming back and listening to this conversation. I will issue a bit of a content warning. If you haven't seen the movie, we do have to talk about a lot of things that happen in it, which does include a sexual assault. So if that's something that um, you have an issue listening to, that's your warning. But without any further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Devin Terry about higher learning on this episode of We Are Movies. There's been multiple occasions, I think at both of my roommates' birthday parties that we've been at together that... Uh, yeah. The, the two of us will get talking about something and then I'll bring up the podcast. Uh, and yeah. so I'm like, if we're going to talk, we got to get proof of this. Uh, <laughs> we got to, yeah, we got to record it. Yeah. We got to talk about uh, whatever it is. Right. Like Dynamite, you know. <laughs> we we have some... uh, The Last Dragon. <laughs> the Last Dragon. Okay. That was, that was possibly, possibly one of the greatest nights of my entire college career. That was... was... It was a good night. And then we watched both of the Bad Boys movies back to back. Oh, yeah, we did. Gosh. All nighter. I remember we watched the first one. And those are long they're movies, long. too. Yeah, yeah the second not... one is like two and a half hours, right? Yeah, yeah. No, the second one is like the length of like an Oscar Beatty period piece. <laughs> it is. Uh, <laughs> and, and except it's directed by Michael Bay. And I remember... <laughs> we had finished the first one and it was like well past midnight and you were like i think one of us was kind of like we can't watch the second one right that'd be too much and devin was like yeah no i mean like we'd be up pretty late and then you were like sounds like we're gonna do it <laughs> like, yeah. there was no no one was like ah, no nah, it's too late it's yeah. like oh well i mean i feel like it was like two o'clock too like it yeah it was it like was... one or two o'clock 
it was obscenely late deciding to watch bad boys 2 on a whim is rarely a good idea for me anyway let alone to do it (laughs) long after (laughs) i I should have been asleep right can you pinpoint a time where you kind of got into movies like specific movies you watched or where in your life that was okay so i'm i mean i think it was was late for me for sure because I think growing up, I was always like into sports and sports took a, a lot of my time. Um, but I remember like, I would like be on, so we would take a lot of like road trips to like, cause I played like AAU basketball and whatnot. And we would go like, you know, sometimes like every weekend, it'd be like 30, a 30 minute drive, 40 minute drive to like this place in South Lyon to play basketball. So, and my mom had a, a minivan and we would watch, we would watch like, I had like just a couple movies that I'd always watch. I'm probably like 12 or 13. And uh, so I had like The Incredibles. That was like one of my favorite movies. Still probably one of my favorite animated movies. <laughs> uh, I, would, I had The Master of Disguise on DVD. That's a classic. Uh, yeah, I love that movie. <laughs> and I think that's why I love like comedy so much and also like, like crime uh films as well <laughs> just like classic like crime film like film the noir. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah it's it's and, the maltese falcon and uh yeah the, the master of disguise <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. and then that like that was like the the main one and then like i would always watch like rush hour now and that was always on tv just all the time so i didn't even have to like you know, have like the DVD, but I do remember I had this book. Oh, wait, hold up. The book is right here too. There's like a, it's like a behind the scenes, like book rush hour one, two, and three. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's yeah. It's got like all types of like information behind the scenes, like all types of like facts and things that happened. Uh, just like weird, like facts about shooting from like Chris Tucker um brett ratner there's like bruh it's crazy and i remember having this book and i'm like this is amazing there's like (laughs) there's like storyboards in here it's insane (laughs) bro i I never took brett ratner as the storyboards (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah this is the third this is the third one too where uh they take like the french flag and they like parachute off the uh off the eiffel tower (laughs) oh that's incredible where where did you get that book do you remember you've just had it i don't I, my my mom, I'm pretty sure she got it. I don't know where she got it from, but she also loves Rush Hour too. So it was probably <laughs> just as entertaining for her as it was for me. I also loved Rush Hour growing up. I think it's like, I, if if I have like one super like guilty pleasure Achilles heel like type of film <laughs> yeah. that I always bend over backwards for, it's like the buddy cop action movie. Chris Tucker, Jackie Chan, inspired duo, one of the best of all time i mean that's the perfect that's the perfect duo oh certainly i mean yeah like who would have thought and And then and i saw like chris tucker was on kimmel or something not long ago and he was saying like yeah jackie and i are still friends and i was like you're actually friend like that that's incredible because it seems like they would intentionally get too diametrically (laughs) opposed (laughs) right in a movie and that they could actually become friends in real life that's how i know we can heal america uh (laughs) Because of Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker's relationship. I, I mean, <laughs> exactly. no, I, I feel that. 
that also had i remember the original rush hour has possibly my favorite like tagline for any movie and that was uh the fastest hands in the east meet the fastest mouth in the west (laughs) so i mean yeah chris tucker he is he definitely he probably has the fastest mouth oh yeah and one of the highest voices in hollywood (laughs) you ever seen the fifth element (laughs) <laughs> yes. <laughs> come here, my man. Come here, come here. <laughs> Bro, I love Chris Tucker. He's I love Chris treasure. Tucker. He really is. And he doesn't he's, work enough. He needs to be in more stuff. Yeah. I feel like he kind of just like Dave Chappelle himself and he just yeah. like was like chilling and just like went somewhere for a while. But I don't know. But that's just like my theory because I feel like he could have worked more. I think Chappelle even talks about in one of his, uh, I forget which special it was, but it was when he said, um, uh, it was one of his stories about when he met OJ Simpson. And he was like, I was in this bar and I saw Chris Tucker and I'm hanging out with Chris Tucker. And at that point, if you had seen me and Chris Tucker in the same place, it'd be like seeing Bigfoot riding a unicorn because <laughs> they just weren't doing anything at the time. <laughs> yeah. So when did you first see higher learning? Yeah, so um, Higher Learning, I saw that, I, I don't remember the exact year, but I know I saw it in high school, because I saw that and Chinatown, I saw Chinatown when I was in, a senior in high school, and then Higher Learning, I probably saw in like 10th or 11th grade, um, and that was on TV, that was just on like BET, um, but I saw that and I was like, that's where I was really like, dang, like, okay, like, because a lot of the movies, that I would watch growing up. And I mean, as kids do, like I wanna see special effects and I wanna see like Anakin Skywalker getting his body chopped in half. (laughs) Yeah, like Iron Learning was like the first movie I was like, dang, that like actually made me feel (laughs) something more than I thought a movie could actually make me feel. Was this your first John Singleton movie? Actually, no. I had seen Bad Boys 2. Or not, not Bad Boys. <laughs> um, what's Boys in the Hood. Um, right. But, uh, and that also, that was that was a big part too. Um, and like just how I got kind of into film more. Uh, I had seen that first. And I could definitely relate to that for sure. Uh, but also like, I wasn't from the hood. So like, it was kind of like, you know. I was kind of outside looking in from that perspective, but it was still like a great movie. And I was like, dang, like I, I, that definitely stuck with me too. But I just remember higher learning having like a more, like it, it lasted with me longer. I suppose like if you compare it to Boys in the Hood and there is sort of this detachment watching Boys in the Hood if you're not from the hood. Whereas like higher yeah. learning, that feels like it could be, you know, that's a college, like we're both on a college campus, right? Like, or we were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. right. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, that's the thing. And I feel like, yeah, I think it was just, Boys in the Hood definitely stuck with me too. And then I watched higher learning and I was like, that's where I was like, okay, like that's, that's something that I would want to make. Mm. Boys in the Hood, like, I guess I could have tried to make it and maybe I could have been all right. And like, and I, maybe I could have been successful, but higher learning was like, like, that's like a film I would like, I wanted to make. And it was just so interesting seeing like all the different perspectives that is shown in that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I had never really seen anything like that either. And I felt like he did, he did a 
really great job and just like especially now that I've gone through college just like fleshing out a lot of those characters and like the experience that people experiences that people have uh in in college I read one letterbox review today that <clears throat> they said that this movie kind of exists somewhere between crash and do the right thing which was interesting like in the way that it's like about rising tensions in this area and then it, it's it it results in some climactic tragedy and the reason it's kind of between those two is because crash is this super schmaltzy uh hollywood sugar-coated <laughs> kind of story about racism and then you know do the right thing is is kind of this more like this just kind of more like from the heart uh yeah. personal thing yeah no i see yeah i know what you mean and and i feel like this movie kind of plays in the middle a little bit where it's like it's it's very from the heart it's written and directed by john singleton there's no other writers on the movie and at the same time i yeah. feel like it's it presents itself in a way that is consumable to the regular movie going audience too yeah it is for sure uh yeah because there's no there's i think one of the like reasons i really liked it too like I really, really liked it because you understand who are the good guys and who are the bad guys. Yeah. But there's like a sense of kind of like, I don't want to say like relatability, but you 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 see the side of like not just the the white supremacists, um, or the actually they're Nazis, but um right. you you see their side. You don't necessarily relate to them, but like it's just I don't know, it's interesting to see like how they think, I guess is what i'm trying to say i mean it's super messed up obviously but um <laughs> i don't know i think that was just interesting to me too you're mainly following these three concurrent stories right you have um yeah. Epps as malik uh yeah. who is kind of you know he he's he's a freshman in college i think they're all all three are freshmen at the same college and yes. yeah He's an athlete, also, you know, wants to get better in his studies or he's being encouraged to be better in his studies by yeah. Lawrence Fishburne as a political science professor. Um, right. And then you have Michael Rappaport as Remy, sort of a, oh, he's this white guy who's a little more, um, he doesn't quite fit in with anybody. He's a social outcast and then ends mm -hmm. up falling in with some neo-Nazis. And then... Right. Uh, Christy Swanson as uh, Kristen, who is a victim of sexual assault early on and then kind of moves right. towards her own form of activism and then also finds out that she's bisexual. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, so many yeah. moving parts in the movie. And I feel like yeah. it's, it's so clever, actually, the way it is all intertwined and the way that from the beginning, you don't quite see where it's going, but it makes sense once you get there. No, yeah, you don't at all. And that's why, yeah, it was so, because, I mean, I don't want to, like, say the ending, but, like, uh, I guess, spoiler alert, I was not expecting, you know, him to just shoot up everyone in, like, the middle of, of the campus, like, the campus square or wherever they were. Well, because the movie's a little disarming at first, right? Tonally. It is. It is. It's very, <laughs> it's very, like, uh, like, not, like, I don't know, romanticizing college, it, it kind of feels that way in the beginning just because like he's an athlete and he's like you know he's like looking for the girl um 
Tyra Banks, like he's trying to, you know, get the girl, they want to parties, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. they get into like the altercations or, or whatever. Uh, but like, you know, overall, it's not something that you feel is going to end so tragically. Uh, right. Well, and it's because it's it's unabashedly like kind of fun early on. Uh, the, the two things I came away yeah. the first time, first time I watched this movie, I think I was a freshman in college and coming away, my favorite parts were uh, Ice Cube and Busta Rhymes, who are great. And, and like every time yeah. they're on screen, like every the, time. the movie just lights up. Um, yeah, I mean, this is easily, I don't know about if you'd say so as well, probably Busta Rhymes' best performance on film. I'm trying to think of his... Uh... <laughs> His filmography. I've only seen uh, this in Halloween Resurrection, I think. Are the only... <laughs> <laughs> so out of those two, um, this is the much better one. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I'm sure it probably is. I, I'm, I know I've seen him in something else, though. I watched this movie again yesterday, and I think it's not until like halfway through the movie that Buster Rhymes actually has a real line of dialogue. Like, mostly it's just <laughs> him, like, screaming. <laughs> <laughs> Just mean mugging in the background. Yeah. And, and this movie has so many great moments of like uh, a line of dialogue and then we cut to something. We like transition to another scene yeah. kind of based on how that scene ends. <clears throat> and the yeah. introduction to Buster Rhymes is great where you have this frat party, like a mostly white frat. And oh, yeah. uh, Christy Swanson walks in and the guy says like, nobody on campus parties like we do. Just hard cut to Buster Rhymes walking in yeah. on the <laughs> predominantly black party, and it's just like proving him wrong. <laughs> just mm -hmm. no, yeah. I mean, and that's the funny part. Like the thing that was so appealing for me, just all the parallels. Because at one point, you know, the neo Nazis and Buster Rhyme and Ice Cube, they're they're gonna like essentially go to war and like almost try to kill each other. But then, like, just they're trying to fight each other, mm -hmm. and. Uh, you know, they're just like talking each other up and like, you know, I remember Ice Cube and Buster Rhymes just talking about like the motherland and this and that and talking about like the human life started in Africa or something. And then it's like cut to like the neo-Nazis who are also talking about how they are the superior race. <laughs> um, so it's, it's just like, it's different. And, you know, like you said, a way that's consumable, but I think that was, that's why I think it was so appealing for me. It was just, there are a lot of parallels and in, in all of like the intertwined stories within that movie. And it's dealing and, with almost like every single issue you could possibly deal with on film. Like a lot. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. And it doesn't feel tokenized. Like it's like, yeah, let's throw a little bit of this in there too. It all kind of, it all right. fits into the story. I wanted to talk about, because in that same scene, Ice Cube has a great introduction where first we just hear him talking and he's kind of pontificating about the financial institutions and college. And he's 100% speaking truth. Like it's yeah. such a great, like immediately you hear this guy and you're just like, I mean, he's he's not wrong. <laughs> yeah. and, and then that's when like Michael Rappaport, who's his, you know, Remy, who's at the, I always forget this, at the beginning, they're roommates and then Remy moves out. Uh, Cause then Remy, yeah, yeah he's like, yeah. hey, can you turn the noise down? Like, and then he won't. So then, mm -hmm. um, and that kind of- beats his ass. Yeah. Well, and that's a great moment too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess it's best to kind of talk about maybe each of these threads one at a time. So I feel like, yeah, maybe 
Remy's story, it is very carefully calculated where for the first 30 minutes of the movie, you see him getting mad about Ice Cube and his party. He asks the cops to kick him out. Uh, I even wrote down the line. He says, it's like freaking Soul Train up there, uh, which is (laughs) just... uh, Side note, though, also, sorry. Um, Yeah, no, go ahead. Michael Rappaport is also like, he's not turning into Remy, but I feel like he kind of is is morphing slowly into Remy in real life. You see, does Just, he has he had like uh, any racist outbursts or, or anything lately? Not any racist outbursts, outbursts. But I used to follow him on Instagram, and uh, the police obviously are killing black people. Hmm. Um, and he posted something like like an article about like just like violent crime in like the cities, the inner cities of Chicago or something. And it was like 106 people dead. He was mad because I think the NBA, like, shut they close they they postponed games because um, the police killed someone, an uh, innocent unarmed person, and he posted like he's like at NBA at NHL like he's tagging all of like the big sports uh, com- companies. Um, he's saying you should cl- cancel these games because um, 106 people died and just like regular mm-hmm. like. I guess gun violence, undermining the idea that the police aren't at fault for some reason. Sure, um, kind of trivializing and, and, and saying, yeah, and comparing, yeah. and comparing, you know, gun violence um, to police killing innocent people. But that's a whole nother thing, right? <laughs> and, and that's, I mean, that's an awful trivialization of like gun violence. All gun violence is bad, but to like act like the the issue in one situation is law enforcement uh, uh, doing the bad thing (laughs) you know like that's a very clear distinction uh and that that is disappointing because i feel like michael rapaport has been part of some really kind of transgressive and like socially like interesting social commentaries like yeah he's in bamboozled the spike lee movie which is such a strange cool movie and i I, actually have seen that he's expressed other views that i thought were actually kind of good so maybe he's just kind of doing that post fame thing where celebrities aren't famous anymore and then they start having wacky opinions (laughs) yeah i really have no idea it could be that honestly i do while we're on the topic chris christy swanson is a trump supporter now (laughs) (laughs) oh wow wow Uh, i i just checked out her instagram just a bit before we started recording and i was like oh no I just slowly. <laughs> her character would not like herself in real right. life. That is, yeah, yeah. I think it's. Learning. I think she became like a born again, uh, like not just a born again Christian Republican. But, like, yeah. Well, she's a born again Republican, like a like a um, like a, an evangelist. Yes. You know. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's disappointing. Those <laughs> are the worst. Yeah. They're the worst, aren't they? <laughs> that's the thing. Celebrities, if they stay famous, they don't do that. But if they fall, yeah. if they stop being famous, <laughs> then they, they're on cameo doing like five minute <laughs> right wing rants about why you should live in Florida. Like <laughs> at Kevin Sorbo. Oh my goodness. So you're not wrong. <laughs> um about Remy's kind of arc, what do you like? What do you think yeah. about? What do you think about the calculated way that we get him to the point where he is meeting the skinheads? Like, do you think he's a yeah. sympathetic character at all up to that point? 
I, I think up in, until he meets him, for sure. I mean, there's so many, and that's the thing, coming back to like just the relatability of the movie. Um, like there's so many things that I'm sure people can relate to or, or see themselves in Remy uh, because, you know, he's like, I don't know where he's from, but I know he's from like some like farm in the rural areas of, I feel like Kansas or, you know, somewhere in like the cent central area of America. Um, and he's got these like dreams of, you know, going to college and, you know, living his best life and making all these friends and going to parties and getting the grades and doing this and that. Um, and, you know, he goes to school and it's not all of as advertised. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, I feel like, you know, some people experience that. I know like my first year of school, it wasn't, it definitely was not as like, I mean, I, I definitely found like a community, but it wasn't like, it was not what I expected. Just like thinking I'm gonna like go there and have like 50 friends within like my first year. Um, cause it can be like isolating sometimes for sure. But anyway, like his, like Remy, Remy is definitely relatable for like, you know, and he's, he's kind of like that awkward kid in a lot of situations. Yeah. There's, uh, I think about that part when like his, cause his, his new roommate is a, a Jewish guy played by Adam Goldberg. Oh, and, uh, when they're like playing pool and he kind of comes up and he's like, Hey, you want to play pool with us? He's like, no, I don't know how to play pool, man. And he just, yeah. he's just so like, he doesn't know how to fit in these situations, but he's like trying to, you know, but can't. Yeah. 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 I mean, and that's, that's so important. I feel like a lot of that happens. Like, I know that's happened to me for sure. Like trying to just fit into a situation I uh, was not familiar with. Uh, and so, yeah, all that to say, he's definitely like a relatable character, a sympathetic one for sure up until I mean, he, you know, and like, like we were talking about, he does like call the police um, on, uh, you know, Ice Cube and Busta Rhymes and them. But, and that is, you know, it's controversial in itself. But like overall, I think it is, it's a pretty, he's a pretty sympathetic character at first. Yeah. In the first, maybe like 30 minutes. It feels as though from the beginning where we, one of my, the scenes I wrote down that I really like is um, when we're introduced to the sort of our three main characters, Remy, Malik, and Kristen, we cut to each of them in their dorms with different music playing and kind of decorating their dorms. So Malik yeah. is like decorating his dorm and he's listening to rap. And then we mm. cut to Kristen and she's listening to like this white women's music like that. that <laughs> I forget, I don't remember the song, but it's like, take a look around is how it goes. And then, <laughs> and then we cut to Remy and he's I wish like- I, knew, I wish I knew the song. Yeah, and then we cut to Remy and he's blasting metal and putting a dancing poster on his wall, uh, which, yeah. you know, not to implicate everybody who listens to metal, but it is a real world thing that oftentimes metal is has been co-opted by white supremacists. Um, right. No, yeah. And, and so his story, I feel like um, John Singleton, like very cleverly, he takes the college atmosphere where like you were saying, we are all these people who have never kind of been on our own before. And it's a bunch of people that are on their own for their first, the first time. 
and they're just trying to cling to whatever they can. And yeah. it's yeah. about these three sort of test subjects and they all meet different forks in the road. They are all, it's all about who they end up settling with. And then that contributes to whatever their worldview becomes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you think about, you've seen every single fall semester here on campus, like uh, you have these caravans of freshmen walking up and down the streets, like looking for a party. Uh, oh, <laughs> and, yeah. And I always say, like, I look at them and I'm just like, you are the party. You have one. Like, there's... <laughs> You're just a You're traveling right, yeah. party. Um, but they all want to they all want to get into one of these parties because that's what you're supposed to do when you're in college. And it's just this huge, yeah. like this mass of like people that are alone, you know, and that's such a clever trying to fit in. Yes. And, and that's such a clever setup, I think, to kind of tell this poignant story about our world ideologies and how they come about and i mean yeah. that i guess brings us to malik's story which i think is the most cleverly written one out of all of them because he yeah you know he's in the class taught by lawrence fishburne as right. professor maurice phipps and it's like phipps. A, a politics phipps. class and he has this accent as he I, I couldn't I think tell. He's is he African? I'm pretty sure he's African. I think he's African. Yeah. Because I, I think that's playing on the whole, you know, like motherland, like trying to get back to their roots. And I think that's why like Ice Cube and Buster Rhymes and them love him so much. And they're like connected to him. I mean, yeah, that that is true. And at the same time, I feel like they're opposed to him a little bit because they, oh, that's, yeah. I forgot. Yeah. There's this, I think the my favorite scene in the movie is when Malik and um, Ice Cube's character Fudge are sitting on the, the steps and Fishburne comes out and he's talking to them and you have Malik in the middle and he's flanked on either side by Ice Cube and mm. Lawrence Fishburne and mm. they kind of represent these two differing ideologies where yeah, where it's like yeah. Ice Cube is totally against the system. He's against the you know, our institutions. Right. And they're inherently racist. He has that great part where he's talking to him about like, oh, so you're running so they can give you an education. And like, he kind of, because he takes that athletic scholarship and kind of turns it around to make him see this kind of like, he starts thinking of it as like, oh, what is this slavery? You know? And that's yeah. what he brings up yeah. to his teammates. And yeah. then Fishburne is kind of this more conservative version of, of activism where he's kind of all about it's up to us to carve our own path in, the, in our right. hard work. And I'm not comparing him to everything about this, but he, he reminds me of like yeah. what Bill Cosby represented in the 70s and 80s, which was it's yeah. up to us to, you know, take that, that personal step. And I feel as though that's really clever because Malik ultimately kind of combines those two things a little yeah. bit. Yeah, he does. He does. And I think I think also his Lawrence Fishburne's character, I think he has the same views, you know, about like, you know, the institutions, mm. systemic racism, um, things like that as Ice Cube's character. But yeah, the way they approach you know, like you're saying, the way they approach about trying to either dismantle them or change them mm. uh, is definitely a lot different. Um, and, you know, he's, Thibs, 
Professor Fibbs is trying to, uh, he's like trying, I, I think he says in the movie, like, like something in, along the lines of like knowledge is power. Like mm -hmm. you need to learn as much as you can essentially so that you can, you know, change the institutions and the systems. Yeah. Well, and I love that they don't let that on immediately because for the first yeah. half of the movie, Phipps, you, you don't quite know what to make of him because he's really just kind of pushing on Malik like, well, you got to you got to try harder. And then when Malik says stuff, he talks about racism. He's like, oh, I yeah. think he, he says to him, like, did somebody spit in your eye when you got here? Um, oh, yeah. He, oh, did someone yeah. spit in your face? Oh, yeah. Was a cross burned outside your dormitory? And and so it seems like at first that Phibbs is kind of in denial of modern racism. Yeah. And then obviously as the movie even proves to us that like the movie ends with a hate crime and there are racist cops in the movie. There are all yeah. of these things throughout the movie. Right. Yeah. And then I feel like at the end where he's really pushing Malik to apply himself and also uh, Tyra Banks' character, Deja, Deja, who's dating Malik and helps him write right. his paper. And then he ends up writing this really good paper that he, where he committed the work ethic instilled in him by Fishburn, but he's mm -hmm. also using the kind of ideology that he got from Fudge, from Ice Cube. And right. it, you kind of reveals more about Fishburn's character that's like, like you said, he probably does have these views that Ice Cube has, but he wants to get Malik to properly apply those views in a way that's productive. No, yeah, I agree with that 100%. Because, yeah, he, you know, Malik, in the in the beginning, he's very, he's not destructive, but he's very, like, volatile. And he's just trying to, well, I mean, it seems sometimes he's acting a little self-destructive, you know, and you know, Lawrence Fishburne's character is trying to like, you know, calm him down because he know, I mean, you know, education is important. So, and he knows that, you know, an education is going to be important for Malik. He does, John Singleton does kind of uh, throw you off because yeah, he does, uh, Lawrence Fishburne's character, he seems very like conservative, kind of like you got to look past the racism because it's going to be there. So you just, you just got to do what you got to do and focus on yourself. Uh, yeah, it's not until the end that you kind of really see his his real kind of uh, truth and what he believes in. Well, and he's yeah. kind of cleverly impartial as a professor. He keeps saying to everybody, yeah. you need to forge yep. your own political ideas. Like yeah. that's, you see that even in his, his, his lecture at, to the class is it's about them right. forming their own ideologies. And that's why Not he doesn't his. give his at all. Yeah. 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 No, you're right. He kind of reminds me of like Cornell West in a bit. Oh. Yeah. Um, although I don't, I think he might be, Cornell West might be a little more uh, radical, but also I think in the end, like Fibs. You, you see that he is, like, he has the same similar beliefs mm -hmm. as Ice Cube in, in trying to stop and dismantle institutions. I um, feel there's, like, if, if Cornell West, Cornell West would be, like, Lawrence Fishburne's like. <laughs> A little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's sort of yeah. like, like, there's this Cornell West inside no, of right. him that he's kind of like, I can't, <laughs> I can't show that to people. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Is he like even like physically looks like him? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Well, now with the beard and like the little like little patches of like white hair. That that's really interesting. Yeah, Lawrence Fishburne has like one little patch of white hair like to the left of his beard. It's not even like in the. It's not even symmetrical. <laughs> it's like I don't know if that was applied or know. if he just grew that. That was interesting though. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He was pretty young. He could have, I mean, he could have grown it, I guess. Yeah, this was before The Matrix, even. Yeah. Um, which I didn't even know Lawrence Fishburne was famous before The Matrix. That <laughs> blew my mind. No, yeah, The Matrix, that was definitely his, his breakout for sure. Referring to the way that the film portrays, um, uh, the, I didn't even catch this the first time, but the way it's portraying the institutions the lead white supremacist uh who's played by cole hauser he has these guns and he mentions he just got them from a buddy in law enforcement <laughs> oh i don't remember that either Jesus yeah. Christ. He, he says i got it from a buddy in law enforcement works in the gun control department so these are like confiscated guns that he just got from a cop friend with, with evidence right. from the evidence uh locker i do not remember that yeah, it's kind of, it's just like a throwaway line. It's so, but it's like, wow, that's like the most yeah. dis disturbing <laughs> implication of the whole movie. This, yeah. Jesus, yeah. So, oh <laughs> Kristen's story, that's the moment where when her story begins, really, you kind of <laughs> realize this might not have been the movie you thought it was going to be. Because yeah. nothing really prepares you for that, that scene where she's raped by the frat guy um yeah. and it's it's because it, even up to that point there's no feeling of dread there's no music yeah. to kind of tell you this is going to go to a dark place it just kind of happens which i thought is like the best kind of emotional impact that scene could have had yeah i mean like we've been saying it it, it the, in the beginning it does not feel like it's going to take this turn into like you know giving us this message having to do with so many different ideologies and like political views i mean some of them aren't even political but um there's so many different perspectives from different uh people uh and yeah her 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 story arc is definitely interesting uh because yeah you're you're not expecting her to get because because i think she goes in she's kind of like Remy in a way like she wants to go to the like she wants to go to the party like she wants to have the college experience and like go out go to the parties have fun get drunk and you know she ends up getting assaulted and you're yeah you're not ready for that you're expecting you're expecting her to have that college college experience yeah and and just get drunk and then go home right well and that's following there's these moving these moving pieces kind of where like her friends are like kind of shitty uh she's got these two friends that are just kind of yeah. like they're making fun of her hair behind her back <laughs> like it's just kind of and then they, they just leave her like they even have this moment oh, like yeah. could we really leave her here and they're like ah and they yeah. just walk away and and then before that she there is that, yeah before well before that there's that scene of her walking home and uh she meets jennifer Connolly's character and she explains like the help telephones that they have in case you have to you know uh call for help and so after the scene where she's assaulted and she's leaving 
Uh, There is that great shot where she's like running home and the camera kind of pans over and you see the help telephone that's that she just Mm -hmm. ran by, um, which kind of reminds you of that. And then Jennifer Connelly, obviously, she comes back into the movie later. Um, But one of the most effective scenes and one of the weirdest like combination of emotions is the whole scene following the assault where she goes home to her roommate, uh, who's played by Regina King. Her name is Monet. And there's this whole situation where now the guy who assaulted her calls her on the phone. And he's trying to call, talk to her. And then Monet picks up oh, the phone. Oh, right. You yeah. remember this? And then yeah. he says something racist to Monet. So then we had that ice great cube. scene where she rallied, Ice Cube rallies up yeah. all his guys and they yeah. go into the party. And this contributes to the tensions because the cops end up showing up. But they throw the guy on the ground and then Ice Cube says to him, repeat after me, beautiful black woman, mother of the (laughs) queen of the universe. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. That sets it off. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. I forgot about that. There's so many small parts and small details that really are amazing. And one thing I totally forgot about the first time I watched it is that, um, Kristen's kind of portrayed as being a little xenophobic in the beginning because there's that very that scene very early on where she's on the elevator and then Malik gets on the elevator and then she oh. kind of clutches her purse mm-hmm. and then yeah. he looks down at her and he's kind of like he scoffs and then mm-hmm. at the end of the movie after the horrible crime happens and you had this really interesting and this is kind of ahead of its time how the movie comments on there being a Christopher Columbus statue in the middle of this college which Ooh. now at a time where mm-hmm. everybody's talking about statues that should come down, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. they, and then this becomes a memorial for the hate crime that was committed. Um, mm-hmm. He and Kristen are both standing there and it's it kind of bookends the movie with the two times they've interacted, really. And at the end yeah. of the movie, they're standing there and she feels ashamed because she's the one who put together this whole peace festival where it happened. And he comes right. over and he puts his hand on her and says, you can't blame yourself. And there's, it's very intentional, this close up of, you know, a black hand touch, touching a white woman's <laughs> shoulder, but in comfort, you know? Yeah. This could be us, America. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Well, what do you make of that final kind of conversation they have where it's like they actually finally introduce themselves and she's like, it's funny because they have Phipps class together and she's like, it's funny that we haven't talked until now. And he's just like, yeah, funny. I, and I feel like, yeah, like she, she was kind of never paid attention to him or never saw him just yeah. because of kind of like what you said, like she was kind of xenophobic and there's just that kind of just like seeing through like somebody. Uh, Cause I know sometimes people, especially like white people tend to just not even like not 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 that they don't see you but they're gonna act like you're not there (laughs) um and just kind of pay you no mind i guess i i that's kind of how like how i feel because because he says like yeah funny right or something like that uh because if because if she was like more aware or or just like maybe even like more con like because in the beginning she's not as conscious or you know not as uh she, she's not as aware of the things I guess going around and she becomes a lot more just aware of problems and issues um and I feel like when you're aware of those problems and issues then 
you're gonna be more aware of like the people around you um, and like individuals around you. Uh, so I, I think that's kind of why he says that last line, um, like, yeah, like, you know, we had our differences, but you know, we're like in it together or something. Mm. That was like the impression that I had when watching it. By the very specific line where she says, it's funny, we haven't talked till now. And he says, yeah, it's funny. He kind of has this attitude of like, yeah, it's funny. Like, it's kind of like he's kind of this like, well, it's just because you guys won't talk to us, you know, kind of feeling. And she's having this feeling of like, you know, by the movie taking its primary white character and its primary black character and putting them in this setting where they have this conversation, it's saying like, hey, maybe if we had talked before now, things would be better. Like if we if we start mm-hmm. talking now, like it, it's yeah. using talking as a kind of a general word to describe c- just communicating in general. Mm-hmm. And, and I like, I mean, I don't know about you, but I feel like the movie doesn't try to commit to what, it has all of these circling ideologies and it doesn't grab one yeah. and go, this is the one. It just yeah. kind of, it, it puts it out there. It put, the, the movie's like Lawrence Fishburne. It wants you to form an ideology. Yeah, yeah. It, it really. And that's the, and that's like, I think that's why it's so good. Like, cause there, like, like there's no, there's no, yeah, there's no like dominant, ideology there's just a bunch of them all together in this movie yeah it wants you to form your own or take a combination from you know one here one there yeah Uh, and and that's yeah that's why i think that movie is just so great and it's it it really makes you it it makes you think and i think that's why it was it's important to me because it definitely made me think about some things that i hadn't thought about before we don't talk about john singleton as like his style enough because i feel like he i think he, I, I really liked john singleton i i saw i think all of his yeah. movies i i saw most of his movies um mm-hmm. and he does some cool stuff in this like the way he uses split diopter shots there's a like the scene where after Rappaport has been radicalized, he's like sitting and he's like studying and he looks around and there's like somebody of every non-white race around him. There's like an Asian guy, there's oh, yeah. you know, a Mexican guy. And his head is shaved at this point, right? Yes, his head's already shaved. Yeah. And you see him like looking at like an Asian guy in the foreground and then him in the background, but it's the mm. split diopter shot. So it looks like they're both like the same distance. Yeah, like mm. they're right next to each other. I think that's really great. They do what he does another similar shot when Regina King is on the phone and um, Chrissy Swanson's in the bed and you see Regina King's in the foreground. But the way I think that he, the story's edited feels so like so intentional and it flows so well. There's the part um, right after Malik, he's in Ice Cube's place and Ice Cube has this great library of books and he's like oh do you have frederick Douglass's autobiography or biography and he's like yeah yeah it's with the biographies right there and he grabs mm-hmm. it and then like but then ice cubes like very disheartened when he finds out he just wants to read it for school and he's just like yeah no mm-hmm. you can borrow that book but you read it for yourself you don't read it for school and yeah so we're, we see this one fork in the road that malik gets to where he's kind of he's choosing to read frederick Douglass, which is going to affect his worldview and then we cut straight from that to Remy sitting on these steps under the American flag uh, right before Ooh. the main skinhead approaches him. 
which is so especially when you know where that scene's going that cut yeah. is so powerful because you're seeing these incredibly opposed pathways that each of these characters take it's like this choose your own adventure thing you know yeah mm-hmm. and that influence that they're gonna get from each both of these characters they're gonna influence them a lot they're like yeah the editing is very and, and it parallels it so well to those those two opposing obviously experiences and uh i guess ideologies if you want to call neo-nazi ism ideology but uh <laughs> I, I mean I, yeah <laughs> i guess it is but, um, <laughs> yeah it's so it's so um, like just great the way they parallel that and um christy swanson her character as well mm -hmm. and how it uh all three of them kind of like intertwine. I was going to say regarding her story, um, I feel like when you pull, especially when you pull movies out of the 90s that deal with this kind of stuff, most of them don't age well. You know, like a lot of them, it's like, oh, a black guy and a white guy rode in a car together and now they're friends. Like that's their, you know, the reduction of, of yeah. these kinds of issues. But I feel like most of this movie, I, I feel like a lot of what this movie deals with can still easily be applied today. The way it deals with radicalization, which now with the internet is obviously amplified to the nth degree. Pervasive. Right. It might be worse now. But oh, certainly. I mean, sure I, it allows, I mean, it's like the internet makes things better and worse because you can spread good ideas mm. and you can unfortunately spread bad ideas too. Right, um, right. And also the way that after Kirsty Swanson's character is raped and she kind of starts embracing, you know, the feminist group on campus and she's giving out flyers. And yeah. She has that part where she meets the guy who um, was Malik's roommate who kind of becomes her new love interest. She, yeah. one of her two love interests between him and Jennifer Connelly's character. Right. Um, and he wants a flyer, but she's like, oh, no, no, it's a women's thing. And then he says, like, wait, so you're against sexism, but you don't want me to have a flyer because I'm a man. And yeah. that, that seems kind of silly at first, but it's like also the idea that movements depend on there being, you know, a, a widespread coalition is something yeah. that still gets talked about today. Like the, the idea that feminism still, you know, should benefit from the participation of men you know yeah. like that's still kind of a, a hot topic that not everybody's completely settled on right now yeah it's not i mean it's yeah it's like the the uh like allyship that uh it's kind of like the a buzzword that's right. been you know around for the couple couple like a year or so but uh i mean i think and i think that is <clears throat> i think it is very important to have because yeah like you're saying you can't you can't have a a movement i don't think without you know having not even i mean and you know these other people especially like you know men in like a feminist movement they're not going to be in the in the forefront yeah uh, they're definitely going to be in the background but you you have you have to have the allies for sure because you know at the end of the day the it's going to be the the men that are going to i mean they're not going to be the one that, ones that change it but you they're going to have to help with the change um, right? And, and help, you know, change perspectives and some of these systems. It's like, I, I always say like, sometimes 
people will get mad if like a democratic presidential candidate goes on Fox news and it's like, Oh, why you yeah. want the, you want the approval of the Republicans. And it's like, yeah, that's how you win. Like I, I, was, right. I was like, like yeah. that's like, what do you, what do you want them to do? <laughs> um, yeah. But I, and, and that's not to say I believe in uh, co-opting your own ideas or, 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 um, you know, giving up what you think is good, but to be able to speak your message to as many people as possible and win them over, that is. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Because yeah, there's going to be those, those swing voters also. Right. Who who are, who are, you know, maybe on the fence and I'm sure that's the same for like any type of, you know, movement, any type of political movement. I'm I'm sure there, I, well, I'm not even sure. I know there are dudes because I know them specifically who are like, I don't know if I can really get down with feminism, blah, blah, blah. Like, right. You know, whatever their myriad of reasons are that they don't want equal rights. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, that's, yeah. So I definitely agree with, you know, getting your message out wherever you can, even if it is Fox News. <laughs> but, you know. I mean, like, did you, you watch, did you watch Judas and the Black Messiah? I did, yeah, I did. I had no idea that Fred Hampton, like, that he won over, like, the Puerto Ricans and these Southern white guys with the Confederate flag on their wall. See, I didn't know the white part. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know about the white guys. Yeah. I, I knew that he had, like, Puerto Ricans and some Hispanic, like, you know, people in his coalition, but I did not know about, seemingly, they were, like, white, maybe not white supremacists, but... They had a Confederate no, flag. They were they, yeah. That's all you need to know. They right. had a Confederate flag yeah. hanging up uh, behind their podium, and they they were they did not like when the black people came into their <laughs> little town hall meeting. Yeah, but he won them over. So I don't know. And I mean, I think that displays to you the reason that Fred Hampton was like one of the greatest threats to the establishment, and why the government saw it fit yeah. to murder him was because. He, the biggest threat is the guy who can get people who hate each other and say, Hey, let's focus on the common enemy. And that's not yeah. each other. That's the people that put us all in this place. Before we wrap up I, with, with these big, like ensemble movies, I always want to ask the question, um, who do you think is the MVP of the movie? You know, who do you walk away from thinking about the most and who you just like, maybe whenever they're in the movie, you feel like those are the best parts of the movie. So uh, my initial thought is Malik, who's the MVP, but he, I, I think I just say that because he's the main character and that's like, you know, he's the protagonist. And, and Omar Apps so, is great in the movie too. He is, yeah, he, he is. Um, and we follow him mostly, you know, throughout the film. Uh, but I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Lawrence Fishburne. Hmm. I, I want to say Lawrence Fishburne and... I was thinking him or Ice Cube, honestly, but probably Lawrence Fishburne, just because he's that professor, I think, because I don't know if Malik's character gets to where he wants to go in the film without him, mm -hmm. without Lawrence Fishburne's character. I think it's so very well written that a lot of his lines, too, in the film are just incredible, and they he makes, like, so many great points so many like poignant points just about 
like like you said earlier, just like he doesn't want anyone to adopt any ideology or just adopt any type of thinking. He wants them to form their own. Um, and I think they're just small like nuggets of like truths that he just drops throughout, uh, yeah, throughout the movie. And I really loved, also just loved his performance as well, like as the okay. as uh, the professor. Uh, so yeah, I, I would say Lawrence Fishburne. You know, one thing I noticed with him that this time watching it that I didn't notice before is when the final, when the climax is happening and there's I, there's this final kind of climactic moment with the two of them in, in this very, you know, intense situation. And it's the first time in the whole movie that he calls Malik by his first name because the whole movie he's calling oh, yeah. him Mr. Williams. Yeah. And then in that moment, it's like you see the audio starts cutting out and or it's like fading out and, and you're from Malik's perspective and he doesn't quite he's he's not gathering his senses and then all of that like the audio comes back in when fishburn goes malik and that like yeah. wakes him up which is so yes. great and isn't that when when uh she gets tyra banks gets shot yes yeah. and he he runs and he runs to yeah yeah he runs over to malik yeah i mean and yeah i mean it's just like the influence he has on the lake i think is also very important to the film and how Malik's character navigates the world, and he yeah. is kind of, he he is influenced, like we were saying, by Ice Cube too. Um, and Ice Cube, I I love his performance too. Yeah, his acting uh, in that as well. Ice Cube, yeah, Ice Cube's my personal MVP for the movie. Um, mm. There's moments that he has in his performance, like. Uh, there's that great part when the the neo-Nazis are sitting at like that outdoor dining area and Ice Cube and Buster Rhymes and the other guys come up there and they're just staring at him. And Ice Cube like brings his hand up to his, he's smiling and he uses his pinky just to like rub his eyebrow. And there's this little <laughs> when it happens. And it's such a great moment of him. Like, it's like, he's, he's taking joy in the fact that he's about to kick some Nazi ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then also when the cops pull, because the cops regularly show up and none of them are good in this movie. Yeah. Uh, oh, they yeah, all yeah. suck. They're all bad. Mm -hmm. um, one of the cops in particular seems very heartbroken when the white supremacist shoots himself in the head. This cop's going oh, like, yeah. No! oh, yeah. I yeah. was like, all right, man. Calm, like, all right. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, when they pull up on, I think it's Ice Cube and Buster Rhymes, and they're like, uh, hey, let me see your ID. And then Ice Cube pulls out a little flashlight and goes, no, let me what? see your ID. <laughs> and then they. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, yeah, that's hilarious. He, yeah, he had a bunch of funny moments in that movie for sure. I wrote down a couple small notes. Uh, one thing I thought was kind of funny was like the the love scene between Omar Epps and Tyra Banks, there's this weird close-up that goes a little too long of her licking his nipple, which I thought was funny. <laughs> just, you don't often see, you don't often see nipple licking to that extent in film. And I'm happy to yeah. see that <laughs> representation. So what was, oh yeah, I wanted to pull up a couple of quotes. Um, yeah. This is a quote from John Singleton regarding the movie uh, where he says, if you look at higher learning, which I was 25 years old making it. That's amazing. I don't know about you. That that makes me feel really bad about myself. No, that makes me feel terrible. In three and he years, made boys in the, he right. made boys in the hood when he was like 21 or 22, I think. Yeah, that's insane. But he says, if you yeah. look at higher learning, which I was 25 years old making it, I'm like a chock full of 
everything that would concern young people lesbianism and racism and everything i could put in that movie it was a great movie a fun movie to do but you could never get that movie made now never the guy shoots everybody know what i mean <laughs> you know the guy like, shoots everybody know what i mean i mean <laughs> he does though he does well it's also it, like nowadays yeah. if you made a movie with that ending you would need to you couldn't also have the other tones that are in this movie yeah you're right you're right about the tone for sure because because in the beginning like there's no like you have no reason to think that there a hate crime a hate crime is going to happen especially by you know the the innocent awkward farm boy (laughs) um yeah i'm 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 comparing it to like judas and the black messiah now Mm. because like the tone of that of that movie was dark and you know like underlyingly sinister the entire time yeah um yeah i mean obviously there are like small moments of like you know joy and happiness but yeah i don't i mean i don't know i don't know if you could make that today i think it's interesting when we look back on john singleton's career that like people don't often categorize him as a a guy who put social messages into his movies. Like they just think of him as a, you know, sort of a a Hollywood director because he ended up making a lot of action movies too. But like, we don't put him in a box that we do maybe do with somebody like Spike Lee where it's like, oh, all of Spike Lee's movies are about race uh, or something like that. Where it's like every John Singleton movie though does incorporate to some extent these issues that were obviously always floating around in his head um Mm -hmm. four brothers even like there's there's racial stuff in that movie with you have this mixed race family and that comes up in the film and then shaft about that yeah and then his shaft movie has perhaps my favorite moment of any of his films when samuel jackson as shaft is beating this guy on the sidewalk and then a cop Mm -hmm. pulls up and for a good 20 seconds, you feel this tension of, is that cop going to arrest Shaft? And it shows Samuel Jackson, like a close-up of him looking at him. And then he just nods at the cop and the cop nods at him and drives off. <laughs> <laughs> the power of Shaft. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Sheesh. But gosh, yeah, he was gone too soon. Yeah. John Singleton. I... Yeah, he was. He really was. And uh, I mean, and yeah, like all of his movies content they they have that underlying sense of you know just like i'm sure he he had to deal with a lot of you know the the stuff that he writes about and the the things that he makes growing up and there's always there's always that that element in his films and even like uh, his his new show that is still on snowfall like that is all about like systemic you know, or just like the institutions just basically saying F everybody except for us. And uh, we're going to bring cocaine and we're going to, you know, just flood it into the streets of South Central LA and Compton and everywhere over there. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, he definitely, definitely was gone too, too soon. 
and I would have loved to see him do something like this again, kind of like now, especially like, I feel like, mm-hmm. cause one thing I did read one criticism of this movie from uh, Willow Mackley, uh, who's a film writer. And she said that um, this was kind of written before people were talking about intersectionality. And so there is a kind of these, there, there are sort of these moments here and there where like, I think uh Malik says to Tyra Banks' character, like, you're a woman, I'm a black man. And he's kind of making the case that things are, that like she doesn't understand. And it's like, now if the movie was made, there would be, considering that John Singleton was going for this film about all of these different social issues that happen on a college campus, that he would Mm -hmm. have addressed the intersectionality of, you know, being black and being a woman at the same time and stuff like that. And um yeah, I, he he was such a clever writer and about that kind of stuff. And yeah, certainly I would have loved to see him do stuff, even though he probably would have ended up getting stuck doing a Marvel movie or something to... <laughs> Fast 10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Like the good directors that they have coming and doing like James Wan and F. Gary Gray are doing Fast <laughs> and Furious movies. Like, <laughs> Dude, really? I haven't, I, honestly, I haven't even seen... I think the last one I've seen was probably like the fifth movie. So I don't even, I don't even know what's going on. Oh but yeah. No, the, the, the fifth they have, was just, they, gotta... dude, the fifth was just the, that, that is tame. It was with the rock. Yeah. Well now I pointed out like every trailer now for a fast and furious movie, like they always just do a crazier stunt and every trailer yeah. Tyrese in every trailer is just going, oh man, we're doing this now. So <laughs> if <they're... laughs> that's so true. I just saw the trailer yesterday. <laughs> He's like, oh man, Literally. we're flipping trucks now. We're just kind of it's like, I don't know. It's it's like at this point you'd think you'd just be like, all right, I guess. You yeah. know. Am I really I in disbelief? <laughs> yeah. We're gonna skydive with this uh F-150. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for doing this. Um, Man, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. We'll we'll have to. Uh, I know we floated quite a few other. What we we floated Chinatown was an option, and uh, oh yeah, the Bad yeah. Boys is <laughs> Bad Boys. Uh, oh yeah, I did. I saw the third one too. So oh. we can definitely talk about, talk yeah. about the Bad Boys trilogy. The tr- it, yeah, it's a trilogy now. That would be really interesting. Cool. Um, I, I guess the last question I want to leave on is uh, if you're talking yeah. to somebody and you want to elevator pitch this, you want to tell them to watch higher learning in like a few sentences, how would you convince them like this is a, an important mm. movie or just a movie that you should watch? I would probably say like, if you want to watch a movie that's going to make you think, going to be a lot of different perspectives. Uh, it's funny. It's also exciting uh it might make you it might make you cry mm. if you're emotional uh does it make you cry side side note did you cry when you watch it it doesn't make me cry but it makes me sad yeah <laughs> it makes me very I got, sad. i got a little choky just like a little yeah. bit man. Yeah. yeah and if you want to you know see one of the great directors you know doing his thing i would say watch this movie also, if you like Busta Rhymes, watch this movie. <laughs> if you like, if you like rappers acting, watch this movie. Yes, 
double feature this and halloween resurrection the two great oh yeah back to back back. when 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 he starts fighting the neo-nazis in this i thought of him roundhouse kicking michael myers in that movie when he (laughs) jesus now i need to watch halloween resurrection buster rhymes big fan of because of that exactly yeah he's a big uh, fan of the last dragon one of his music videos he um he plays he looks like shown up he looks like shown up literally just like it okay maybe we should do the last dragon (laughs) we might have to now yes i've said that is the perfect like combination of asian and black culture in one place and yeah as an asian guy and a black guy i feel like yeah yeah the last dragon in rush hour (laughs) <laughs> that yeah we can do both a double a double, double podcast yeah walking through campus with my backpack belling to orientation so i could change the nation see many faces but none of them mirror me show my id to the punk ass security step on the quad all right everybody that wraps up another episode of we are movies thank you so much for listening thank you to Devin for coming on as always i really appreciate it and um, i'm so happy that he chose such a cool movie to talk about i feel like nobody really talks about higher learning anymore uh or even really the filmography of john singleton and um he's always been a director i've, I've really admired and, I, and i'm very happy to have finally talked about one of his films on this podcast and speaking of this podcast if you haven't yet i always appreciate a review if you write one on apple podcasts or wherever you listen to this podcast i appreciate it and if you haven't yet feel free to Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at We Are Movies Pod. You can also like the Facebook page, We Are Movies. You can also follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd at Johnny Mockney, J O H N N Y M O C N Y. That is all I have for you today. Um, congratulations to anybody who's also graduated. Uh, welcome, welcome <laughs> with me, I guess, to, 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 to life. Um, and Buster Rhymes. If you're out there, uh, come on the podcast.